And then there's truth, or call it super subconscious. Don't forget about that, okay? You've got your limited self-sabotaging beliefs. Yeah, maybe you got 200 of them. But there's like two trillion deeper truths that couch your entire being. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting five to 15 minutes where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, welcome to another spiritual tune-up. It's going to be a good one. And I got to ask, because I'm really vain, um, how do I look today? Do I look 60 years old? It's new on me. I just tried it on yesterday, and uh, there's no taking it back. I got to keep it 60. Holy cow, I could do a whole tune-up week's worth on this, because, you know, it's got that stigma. At least I feel it. Um, but I really had to work with myself, uh, as the, the clock struck midnight on Saturday night and I just had to reframe it. And so anybody going through anything, I was astounded at how I could rebound from the ick associated with that big round, uh, birthday and, uh, feel actually great about it. I'm bragging about it right now. Doesn't it look good on me? All right, so here is the super great question that was asked. Mike, what about our negative subconscious programming? Ugh, doesn't that scare you? Okay, specifically, Mike, my question is this. If we can't trick lie detector tests, then how is it that we're supposed to trick our subconscious when the subconscious mind knows the truth? This is speaking of the I am types of affirmations that I and many others advocate and beliefs such as I already have it. It's already done. I have the Midas touch. How is it that such thoughts, visualizations, spoken affirmations, how can they stand a chance against the questioner says the truth? of our feeble inadequacies and perhaps deep down subconscious thoughts that tell you you're no good, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not this enough, you're not young enough, you're not whatever enough. Okay, so here you go, man. Hang in there. Four things to share with you. Number three, I'm, I'm going to try to hit it out of the solar system. Number one, first off, being a deliberate manifester is not complicated. Okay, it's not difficult, not the Harvard of the universe, time and space, it's the kindergarten of the universe, as I have often said in these tune-ups. But when we approach it almost logically, and we realize that we're creators, 
but we have subconscious thoughts that are running amok that reflect our fears and inadequacies. And what if those thoughts become things before my thoughts of love, joy, and happiness become things? Oh man, that would scare me. That would scare anybody to think that there are all these lurking energy energies within your mind could manifest who knows what at the worst possible time in your life. It's not complicated. It's not hard, as you will see with points two, three, and four. Number two, Seth, dictated by Jane Roberts, the channeled entity. You can go to Amazon or anywhere, type in Jane Roberts. Look for the Seth books. There's about two dozen of them. Some of the most profound stuff I have ever read. Seth often said that contrary to our present mainstream psychoanalyses uh, and psychologies, there is zero separation between conscious mind, subconscious, superconscious, whatever conscious you want. It's not like there's this unattainable terrain where you can't see the, the causes of your manifestations or the challenges or the misunderstandings you possess. He nixes all of that by saying there's no separations. It's really simple. There's you and more you, your thoughts, deeper thoughts, thoughts that you don't give words to, but they're right there. This just helps build the case that it's not that complicated, but you still don't know what your invisible limiting beliefs are. Here is point three. I'm going to go for the, uh, the, the, the touchdown home run uh, knockout pass right now. Okay, so here's you, the conscious you. This is street level you. And you're thinking, everything I touch turns to gold. I am a divine gladiator of love and joy. I have the Midas touch. I'm surrounded by wealth and abundance. But here's your, above that, let's just say above. Above that, there's your subconscious, invisible, limiting, self-sabotaging beliefs. I'm a dodo. I'm no good. I'm not worthy. I have not paid my dues. I don't like people. I only blah, 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 blah. Ooh, Ooh that, that's a little bit scary. But don't stop there. There's street level you. There's subconscious you. There's no separations, but for purposes of explaining, street level you, rosy as can be, subconscious you, scary as a nightmare. And then there's truth. Or call it super subconscious. Don't forget about that. Okay, you've got your limited self-sabotaging beliefs. Yeah, maybe you got 200 of them. But there's like 2 trillion deeper truths that couch your entire being. You came from God, of God, by God. You're here to rock and roll. You chose your life by, by from the zenith of your intelligence. You knew what you were doing and you never would have come if you couldn't rock and roll throughout this entire lifetime. And every lion and tiger and bear that shows up is there to invite you higher, to see through them so that you realize they are paper. You are this tidal wave of magnificence careening through the cosmos, everywhere, always at once, lightly, playfully being who you now are. Okay, and yeah, who you now are took on a little baggage back when you were four years old and 14 years old and 34 years old and 54 years old. You took on a little bit of baggage. But that baggage is on the top of your, your car and your car is this golden manifesting machine from divine mind. 
And the truth is, no matter how much you think you're not worthy, you will always be worthy. The truth will always override your invisible, limiting, subconscious thoughts. The truth is you have the Midas touch. The truth is you're surrounded by friends and laughter. The truth is you are bathed in love 24-7. Those truths are unnegotiable. They're immovable. They're the pillars of reality and they are yours right now. So even if you do think you're unworthy, even if you did have a bad childhood, even if you had no guidance, you have the truth. And the truth will always prevail over flimsy little stupid lies about inadequacy and not good enough and didn't pay your dues. Baloney. The reason you're here is because you did pay your dues. You're now in the winner's circle of reality creation where all things are yours by divine order. You have but to think a few good thoughts a day and they, were, they will override 10,000 negative thoughts because your few good thoughts, thoughts in alignment with truth as I've taught you, are at least 10,000 times more powerful than invisible, limiting, self-tabotaging beliefs because those jewels that empower you, that feebly say, I am worthy, I can do it, I am good enough, those catch the current of truth and become the things and events of your life lickety-split, fast as can be, in spite of any possible limiting beliefs you may have had. So, you might not be able to trick a lie detector test, but a lie detector test is a silly little man-made machine that doesn't know who we really are, the eyes and the ears of God. So, don't worry that you worry, as I love to tell you. Step four, given the case that I've been presenting, is recognizing that you are indeed more inclined to prevail, to succeed, to thrive, to smile than frown, laugh than cry, be rich than broke, have friends than alone. This is who you really are. No matter what temporary, fleeting, invisible, limiting, self-sabotaging beliefs you have. In fact, you can stop visualizing and you can stop worrying that you worry and just let your magnificence well up because this is your nature. Water rises to its own level and your level is the highest vibration of all. You're a divine creator and the sun rises for you every single morning. The sun rose because of you today. So whatever it is you want, whatever else you want, you can have it. It's nothing compared to the fact that you're here now. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, thank you so much for the amazing birthday wishes and the inspiration that I received from so many of you who could relate, no matter what your birthday has been or no matter what your age it is just a number uh i love so much of it i'm going to be floating on your good vibes thank you so much okay today's question a doozy mike how to face a cancer diagnosis how would one face a breast cancer diagnosis and remain positive stay in the flow and manifest a healing outcome okay i'm with you um you're not alone uh, you are loved, uh, and we're going to see you through this right now, okay? So first off, 
this applies to any kind of life-threatening diagnosis besides life itself, since we're all set to expire unless we ascend, which, which uh, could may happen in our lifetime. Uh, so anybody facing a so-called death sentence from a doctor, no matter what it may be, there's one thing that is absolutely certain about your condition, your state of affairs in this moment. You are not ready to go. It is absolutely not your time. The way things work in these sacred jungles of time and space is that when you're ready, when it's your time, you're gone. There's no uh, halfway. There's no, okay, let me look at the calendar and fit it in with bingo. Um, you're gone. Okay. It's done in divine, divine order, perfectly calculated by you, your higher self. And it is flawless. It is magical, no matter how seemingly odd or shocking. Okay, now that's a tangent and we can go there in another question. Post your questions down below, but let's get back to the point. Your diagnosis right now. That you know about it is an invitation for introspection and self-discovery like none other. Okay, right now you have this amazing gift to see life and yourself with a new set of lenses that you have never had before. It is so perfect for your evolution, your growth, and rocking the rest of your amazing life. Okay, the only question is, the only one, and we all have this question, but it, the volume's turned up for you, is what are you going to do with it? You get to call that shot. You have that power. You have that gift. This is your golden ticket. So seize the day. And I've got, let's see here, five things for you. So I'm not going to let it go like that. All right. So what are you going to do with it? Whenever it comes to medical situations, whether it's a broken leg or indigestion or a death sentence, supposedly, always play both ends to the middle. You're asking me, so you're looking for a metaphysical answer. And that's usually, that's always the most empowering answer. But we still are rooted in old school limited thinking. So it would behoove you when it comes to grave situations like the roof over your head or some medical condition, play both ends to the middle. Go see your conventional doctor. Weigh in your heart and mind all of their advice and, and I would... I would recommend following their advice. Go do the conventional stuff, including eat, eat better, exercise, do all that logical stuff. And on the other end of the spectrum, do the metaphysical stuff, the creative visualization, some things I'm about to share with you right now, a gratitude journal, self-reflection, do the woo-woo, ain't no shame, and do the logical stuff. Play both ends to the middle. You cannot get it wrong. Okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm a recovering certified public accountant. Go see your doctor and be a good patient, following your heart and blending your mind in hearing all that they ask you to do. But also exercise, food. Oh my God, there's books and books and books on how changing your diet has cured other people of the disease and other ailments. So, you know, let that be part of this magical puzzle. Okay. I also want you when you're doing the woo woo to do some journaling 
um, it might help to get Louise Hay's book. Louise Hay, Hay House Publishing, I think she passed at 91 years old, uh, which was about five years ago. Um, she started Hay House, an international uh, probably number one self-improvement company on planet Earth as far as publishing goes, when she was 61. She was older than me when she started Hay House, okay? And she has her story in her book, You Can Heal Your Life. Get her book, You Can Heal Your Life. And you will be challenged because she's going to give you some opportunities to do some self-reflecting, uh, try to connect some dots, perhaps even discover what brought about this gift of cancer or whatever the diagnosis is. Do some self-reflection in the woo-woo, do some journaling, and read Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. So that's step number one. Number two, stay inspired. Just, I, I know that's daunting and overwhelming, but if you just go through the motions, it counts. Okay, that's how inclined you are to succeed. So there's a lot of books and YouTube videos and DVDs and movies about life's magic, about people who have overcome cancer, even The Secret that I was a contributor in by Ron DeBurn, the book and the DVD, has a cancer survivor who talks about some of the things that she did. Um, be inspired by other cancer survivors. Be inspired by other achievers in life. Um, just get rooted in all of the options that exist when your mind is clear. And it's not hard to get there. You're so inclined to succeed. This is not on my list, but let me remind you as I do in all these spiritual tune-ups, it's as if your positive thoughts are 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. How Thoughts of health, balance, and healing, boom, boom, boom. They become things fast. Thoughts of disease and disharmony and angst and awkwardness, that's an uphill battle. That you have cancer, it's fleeting. It's temporary. There's endless, endless cases of people who have had it and then not had it. Read uh, for inspiration, my friend, Dying to Be Me, Anita Morjani, a Hay House book, Dying to Be Me. Oh my gosh, that lady is amazing. Her story is riveting, riveting. So stay inspired, even when you don't feel like it. Just give that to yourself. Five minutes of inspiration a day will kick the butt of 18 hours of depressed misery, in my opinion. Combined with all else I'm sharing, taking action, seeing your doctor, doing the woo-woo, self-reflection. Number three, ask yourself and notice. I want your antennas to go up right now and never come down. What is this making possible? What is this gift of cancer or whatever it is? making possible. What are you appreciating that you never appreciated before? Go ahead and appreciate it. What are you valuing that you never valued before? You don't even have to figure out how or why you got cancer, Why? how or why you manifested it. Because we all manifest everything and don't think that means you're to blame. No one's to blame. We're all here learning of our power. But, but kind of go there and, and say, you know, what is this making possible? And even if you don't pin the tail on the donkey and say, aha, it was this belief and that fear, and that's why I had this experience, you probably won't get there. You probably won't pin the tail on the donkey. But because you have reflected and you've done these steps that I'm talking about, and you realize how powerful you are, and you realize how 
lenient life is and how much wiggle room you have to break through, heal, and live like you have never lived. That was the gift. And it wasn't even about you had done something conflicted or fearing or had crossed wires in your beliefs. So don't go looking for what caused it. Just do these steps that I'm talking about. The healing will begin. It's already begun. You ask the question, you're hearing these words. How many people ought to hear these words and are not? Only those who are ready to hear them and live them and understand them to the core of their being are going to be hearing these words. So you're in that, that esteemed breed. And that doesn't mean they have to hear from me to, to rock their life. But you are hearing the truth. Um, <clears throat> number four, continue with the rest of your life. Okay? And continue facing the challenges you were facing. So do what you love, face what you fear, continue living your life as if you didn't have cancer. Go here, go there, do the, don't put stuff off unless you really have to, and if you do, that's okay. But continue living your amazing gift of life. Somebody yesterday said that apparently Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld said about turning 60, I didn't know he was my age, um, it's a gift that many never receive. Every day, no matter what your age, is a gift that many never receive. So F the cancer diagnosis, yeah, you're dealing with it with these other things I'm sharing about, but go live your life, go follow your heart, go live your dreams, go face your lions and tigers and bears, aha! And number five, imagine beyond the cancer. Just imagine your life, not with the cancer beaten, not with the cancer present, not with the cancer at all. Imagine your life. Just you're beaming, you're surrounded by friends, you're joyful, you're helping other folks, you're engaged, you're in love, you are loved. Just imagine a great rocking life. And if you're like me, when there's a crisis, um, you might be imagining this great, wonderful life without the thing, and then the thing shows up when you're imagining it. So what? It's okay. It's okay. You're going to crush this. It doesn't matter if your mind gets polluted with fear so long as you know, so long as you do what you know to do, you're going to crush it. You're, you're just so pegged to succeed. You are not ready to die. You would not have received that diagnosis if it was your time. You receive that diagnosis to see what you will do with it. So let's give people something to talk about. You're going to be not only a survivor, you're going to be a thriver. You're going to write a book about this thing. You're going to rock and shine your light on the darkened paths of others. Thanks for the honor of asking me and allowing me to, to offer what I could on this great question. You're not alone. You're surrounded by friends in the seen and the unseen. All of you are, all of us in this parade that we get to live dancing through these sacred jungles of time and space. Jumbo fellow adventurers, welcome to another spiritual tune-up. I'm Mike Dooley and today is going to be the best Wednesday of your entire life so far. Speaking about manifestations, which is normally the case, um, on the same theme of this week in particular, a great question came in. Many great questions came in. Mike, how do we banish guilt and shame over illness and or yucky circumstances? 
Now that's two different people asking two different questions that I combined into one. Banishing guilt and shame. When we know that we're a divine creator and that nothing can enter our realm without our permission, without our bringing it in, how do we not feel guilty about the stuff we don't like? Sickness or, yeah, blah, stuff that happens. Um, and specifically, Mike, could I have perpetuated my illness and made it worse by constantly trying to fix it and seek solutions. I cannot seem to manifest health because I am always unhappy about being ill, even though I try and visualize myself being well, enjoying myself with friends, etc. Take out wellness and put in bad relationship, money problems, you know, etc. You know what? You know what they're talking about. Okay. Here's a couple of things that I'd like to share with you. Um, first, a preamble, and then four points so that you have traction immediately on these esoteric concepts. Yes, it's possible and not necessarily uncommon that we get in our own way. But never make that your root assumption. Never go on these wild goose chases looking for what's wrong with you because you'll either find it or more likely make it up out of thin air. It wasn't an issue, but now it's on top of what other the original issue was because you went looking for what's wrong. Now here, you're focusing on fixing it and seeking solutions. That might reinforce that you've got an ailment, but we're so inclined to succeed. There's a ton of wiggle room here. You got to deal with it and there's no shame in that. So I think you're being too hard on yourself. Here's a really freaky syndrome that everyone will immediately relate to. When it comes to illness and yucky circumstances, oh boy, are we quick to give ourselves credit, AKA blame. But when it comes to something nice, an unexpected smile, flowers, uh, a great turn of events. We too often don't give ourselves credit for that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. We need to get past that. And now I've got four ideas to help you with traction, see yourself in a brand new light. Number one, the negative the icky, the ugly, the yucky are just perceptions that require judgment and a particular chosen perspective. Change your perspective and suddenly all illness is the beginning of health. It truly is. It's shown up as an unintended manifestation on your way to living better, bolder, stronger, happier, more joyful, following your heart, and you bumped into some conflicting beliefs, or maybe you didn't bump into anything, but you just drew a rash conclusion that this must not be working because it didn't happen fast enough, should have happened within six months, should have happened within two years. Not necessarily. You've got 60,000 thoughts a day and a lot of other priorities. But by changing the perspective Suddenly we recognize the truth that all illness, cancer or the flu or COVID-19 
is the beginning of an awakening, the beginning of health, and need not be commiserated, nor should we be feeling shame over it. Don't characterize things those way. See everything, including yucky circumstances. Sometimes we jump conclusions. You know, we have to move locations. We have to change jobs. We lost our job. Something happened that we didn't want to happen. But if we are patient and we let the pendulum swing, we look back and think, thank God that happened. The train wreck of my life wasn't a train wreck. But at the time, 21 years ago, no relationship, no money, no nothing, no momentum, starting over, age 40, I thought it was the end of the end. But with a little bit of time and not looking for what was wrong with me, suddenly I realized that moment was the beginning of the biggest dream of my life coming true. And nothing bad had happened. Although if I had gone looking for it, I would have found stuff. A laundry list. Mike is broken. Mike's inadequate. Mike is forever. We wouldn't be having this conversation. So you've got to let the pendulum swing. And really and truly, there is no yucky. There is no bad. Everything seen from a high enough perspective, which we all have the ability to choose, suddenly takes shape and form. There's love and healing and order. Everything, even the yuckiest of yuckies. And that's a tangent I don't want to go on today. But there could be no other way in this bastion of perfection floating through the cosmos. Eternal sparks of God. Everything adding to who we are. So change how you see things. And suddenly you're not on this wild goose chase determined to find out what's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're healing and getting better every single day. And sometimes it just doesn't look like that to the physical senses. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you cough. Sometimes there's blood. Stick with it. I've got three more points, okay, to make this package deal. Number two, every manifestation is perfect. It's perfect. If you're like, no, no, I don't want to be sick. No, no, I don't want to be have insomnia. No, no, I don't want to, uh, the relationship to end. You're fighting the entire freaking universe. Relax. It's not forever. Healing is happening even if you don't know what the healing is. Just ease. As I shared yesterday in the mini manifesting workshop, Sometimes in my life, the most weird, wacky, unpredictable, disappointing thing might happen from left field. But as I move through my life and don't drudge myself poorly, within a couple of months or a year, I can look back and say, that weird thing that happened in left field actually had everything to do with me appreciating my worth or me understanding my relationships better. You know, just because you can't put the pieces of the puzzle together right now doesn't mean there isn't a masterpiece underway that is assembling itself. You don't have to consciously, logically see all the parts of the puzzle. You don't have to decipher every nighttime dream. You don't have to know every ailment, every itch, every twitch for there to be this orchestra, this symphony, this masterpiece that's working itself out, taking you to a higher level. Every manifestation, however odd, unpredictable, statistically impossible, is perfect and has meaning. And that's all you need to know as you continue to live your life. Number three, deal with it. 
Okay, whatever it is, don't sweep it under the rug. Uh, this doesn't mean marry it, love it, stay with it, accept it, allow it. And there's, there's words slips, accept that it is here. But that doesn't mean, you know, make it your bedfellow for the rest of your life. Deal with it simply means look at it. How and why might I have brought this into my life? How and why is this inviting me to see things in a different light? And if you don't have an answer, that's okay, but at least ask those questions. How should I compensate for this thing that's now shown up in my life? Maybe, maybe move, maybe change, maybe get up earlier, maybe stay up later, maybe improve your diet, maybe, maybe things that are not directly related, but ask these questions. This is how you deal with it. And then the healing is accelerated, even if you felt clueless to whatever the answer may have been. I don't know. I have no idea. Why would I do this? Ask, ask with the intention of finding clarity. And even if you don't find it, everything will be better. Number four, concurrently to dealing with it, Continue to live your life and imagine and visualize better outcomes, different circumstances. Don't necessarily imagine the pain in your back gone, okay? But just imagine a life being lived so fully and so physically that you just couldn't have a pain in your back. Don't even think about the pain in your back. The questioner was very smart. They imagined themselves being well and enjoying themselves with friends. That's way better than imagining I'm healing the sickness. That just reinforces the whole drawn out process that something is wrong. So while you're dealing with what's on your plate and you have a new perspective and you see the perfection in everything, still give yourself four or five minutes a day, no more, or maybe work with a vision board or a scrapbook and just create an image and a feeling in your being of your life beyond this, doing new things, going to new places, uh, loving your existence. Banish the guilt, forget the shame. That, that's old school baby stuff played out by ignorant folk who think that time, space, and matter is reality. You're way past that. Jumbo fellow adventurers, today's question is a lot of fun. I've touched on it in the past, gosh, 11 months now. I've been doing these every single weekday. Uh, ghosts. Ooh, isn't that fun? Oh, they are fun. It's a great question. Mike, what are ghosts? Um, specifically, are they lost souls, as some people say? Are they spirits clinging on to their physical existence? What does it mean to see them or to feel them? Lots of connotations stemming from uh, a lot of guessing in these primitive jungles of time and space where we now find ourselves. Consider also we have been steeped in religion. Most religions have been created by men, and I mean in uh, the masculine form, who had agendas to scare the dickens out of you, to gain power over you, and we went along hook, line, and sinker. So 
thinking we live in a scary world where God is angry and people are sent to hell. Oh my God, you can imagine the folklore and the ideas and the misconceptions pertaining to apparitions and ghosts. So I've got a number of talking points here for you, including a suggestion as to how to interpret your experience with said creatures. First of all, asking, are there ghosts, which is not quite the question, but it's something that we all have wondered at one point or another, is hugely oversimplifying uh, what's really going on here. It's like asking, is there such a thing as reincarnation? Well, reincarnation uh, is defined by a timeline. Past lives, present life, future lives. Time is an illusion. It's not a yes or no question. Does reincarnation exist? It does not exist the way we think it does on a linear timeline. But yes, it's absolutely true that we are eternal beings and we come back many times. There you go. Back is a time reference. Uh, many times to experience many things. So are there ghosts? It's not a yes or no question. But yes is far more appropriate than no. Um, most commonly, ghosts in my uh, deep heart and logic and reason, uh, most commonly are just as depicted in the movies, um, like the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore. Oh my gosh, that was so spot on. Those entities, those souls, those people who have passed on, yet they cling because they're terrified. They don't want to go to hell. They, have, they meet what they think about. And if they've been thinking about a life that's going to be judged, um, nobody wants to go there. So they're clinging to the life they just had while being drawn to the light that's before them, a light that is all love, all knowing, all forgiving, but they don't know that. And so they're kind of in a purgatory. So that is the most common type of apparition that shows up. Let's talk about why they show up in just a little bit. Um, secondly, there's another type of ghost or apparition, and that is of our own creation. Seth, dictated by the late Jane Roberts, talks about the fact that we are fully capable and often do create apparitions to learn from. And the apparition to our physical senses can look as real as waking life, as real as somebody passing you on the street with a smile. Um, remember, the, the nature of the universe we live in and the nature of this very world is just pure love. So there's there is nothing to fear. And could there be a ghost stuck in fear that would scare you? It could be, but that's partly your creation. So right now, let's just first talk about the types of ghosts or apparitions. One is the person who is afraid to let go of the life they just had and won't move forward. And so they're clinging to life and they may have some power to move a chair or do silly little things like that. But they can only do silly little things and you only witness it if you're believing that it's possible. You have nothing to fear. Then the other one is your own apparitions. Uh, another one, visitors, angels, uh, aliens, out of body, 
uh, loved ones that have passed on, friends, not just from this lifetime, but from other existences, other lifetimes, maybe the future, maybe the past, checking in on you. And we may or may not dress them up. We may or may not see them as a wisp of light. We may or may not allow them to show up in the form they choose. There's a million factors here. So those are three different types uh, of what we might simplify in terms of that was a ghost. Are there others? Undoubtedly. I can't even probably get my mind all the way around it. But here are some really critical considerations. A ghost, no matter the type, could never, ever hurt you. Never do anything to impede your free will, to change the focus of your thoughts. They're not malevolent to begin with. They are lost, but in a world of love. They may not know that. They may act irrationally. Maybe they keep walking along the, uh, the, 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 the rafters upstairs because they are stuck. They can never, ever hurt you nor deflect your thoughts from becoming the things and events of your life. You're a sole creator. Your happiness is solely your creation. Your unhappiness as well. And ghosts, few and far between, um, have zero power to interfere with your life. Now, if you want to believe in black magic, and if you, which there's you know no such thing, if you want to believe in evil ghosts, well, then you're going to create a situation, thoughts become things, where you might feel vulnerable, when you might feel scared, where you might feel like they're doing something to you. But always, for anything to show up in your experience, whether it's dollar bills, a best friend, or an apparition, um, it's something that you not only believed in, but that you drew into your life. And the best way to stop drawing stuff like that into your life is to understand the nature of reality. It's all happening inside the mind and the heart of God in a universe that is held together literally by love. So there's nothing to be afraid of. And when you're not, when you understand, the fear goes away. And when the fear goes away, you stop playing those silly games with yourself. Like, did I just see a ghost? Is somebody trying to haunt me? Are they going to, you know, do something bad to my family? It's impossible. Let's see here. They don't haunt. They don't stalk. Okay, okay, okay. And then uh, the last major point, don't overinterpret a ghost. If you see a ghost, there's something that you can gain from the experience. Okay, there's meaning in your allowing it. There's meaning in your attracting it. You don't have to know how or why you allowed it or you attract it, but there's meaning there. What does it make possible for you? How do you now see the world? What is moving through your soul and your spirit and your feelings and your heart? Ask those questions. Once you find the answer, the healing begins, if you will, the clarity arrives, and you probably don't need to play those silly games with ghosts anymore. Um, don't overinterpret. Yes, everything has meaning. Everything is important. Everything is part of the great order of the cosmos. But that doesn't mean, you know, it's this vitally important thing that you must understand and unravel, otherwise be tormented forevermore. You don't even have to understand that stuff. Just understand that you're here by choice in a world that you create by the thoughts, words, 
and actions you choose and all those other weird little things that are distractions and sometimes scary, they recede into the back of your mind and they take their proper order and you're like, oh, I saw a ghost once. I saw the, I saw an alien. I did that. I went over here. It's nothing compared to the magnificence of our, the opportunity we all have now to live the life of our dreams, surrounded by friends, loved and in love. All right. Some people are more psychic than others. I thought I would throw that out there. Some people are more inclined to see them. But you can just say, I don't want to see you anymore. Go away. Peace out. All right. Tomorrow, the devil. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. I think it would make a good extension. Again, you got nothing to worry about. That silly jokester is powerless to interfere in your life. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Welcome to another spiritual tune-up on a Friday. And this one is going to be one of my favorites, I do believe. Is there a devil? Thanks for the interaction, the weather reports, where you're from, what you're thinking. I love it all, the interaction and the sharing, especially with friends, gets the algorithms all souped up. All right, so yesterday we were talking about uh, ghosts, and I thought it would be a logical extension to go a little deeper into the devil and hell than I have ever gone before. Um, and it's much needed because we still live in a very primitive time, spiritually speaking, where there's these vestiges, these held over beliefs from religion, man-made contraptions designed to scare the masses that are debilitating and terrifying. I often wonder, for those who don't really know the truth yet, about who we are, how we got here, and what we can do with our lives in time and space. What a terrifying, utterly terrifying journey this is on planet Earth. I mean, it would seem that bad things could happen to good people for no reason, which is total, utter nonsense. Check out the other spiritual tune-ups where I talk about exactly those points. But today, the devil and hell. Let me... Let me create a platform from which to speak about these concepts. First and foremost, uh, I trust you realize um, that matter is illusion. It is like a holographic universe that we live in. Scientists tell us this. Einstein and the others said that if you get close enough to rock-solid matter with ultra-powerful microscopes, you can actually go right through it. There's nothing solid about it. It's exactly the same as a nighttime dream. Okay, to the dreamer, oh my God, sweaty brow, racing heart, and God knows what other bodily functions taking place because you believe that it's real, but it's just a dream. It's just smoke and mirrors. The dream creates a stage for there to be lessons and adventures and love and fear and wow. It's like entertainment and education all wrapped up in one, a nighttime dream. And the dream of here and now life is exactly the same. We are spiritual beings that created these illusions. We are of God, by God, pure God. Our thoughts become things. And just as your thoughts create your nighttime dreams, complete with gravity and science and photosynthesis in your nighttime dreams. Have you ever seen a tree or a bush? Good on you with the photosynthesis. 
You're doing it here on life. Why? For the adventure of it. The issue and the challenge that has vexed humanity for as long as we've been playing these games of hide and seek is that we fall hook, line, and sinker believing that these illusions are reality and that we have to react to them, that we came as an afterthought, forgetting and not remembering, not realizing that we were the first thought. We are the creators of this bastion of order floating through the cosmos. But yet, as I've shared, as Adam and Eve, the metaphorical story point out, these spiritual beings who created the Garden of Eden crossed a tipping point in their hypnotic trance by biting into the thought form of an apple because it was red, because it smelled good, because it must be delicious. That was a story of us falling head over heels, thinking the illusions are more real than what gave them rise ourself. Now, this is going somewhere. This is a story about the devil you've never heard before, okay? Um, so, the Eastern religions, uh, you know, let's just say the Eastern religions from Asia, Japan, uh, all my brothers and sisters out there, so much, they got so much right. And they all talk about, you know, all the way over to India, they all talk about the illusions as Maya, M-A-Y-A. It is the hypnotic spell and the ultimate journey of humanity, according to many, is the transcendence of the Maya so that we can be fully self-realized, enlightened, and understand that we are projecting the physical world around us and that the physical world around us responds to us 24-7. You don't like it? Change the picture in your mind. Thoughts become things. Take action, baby steps, all else that I and many other teach. So it is Maya. Get this. One of my all-time favorite books, I only found it about 13 months ago, Autobiography of a Yogi. There's a lot, there's so much profound in this. I could not more highly recommend this book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And the yogis and the gurus and the, those in India and the Eastern world, they're huge students of the Bible because the Bible contains so much truth. Granted, it was hijacked by men with an agenda. Okay, so there's, a, there's some twisted understandings pertaining to a lot of scripture. And there's a lot of scripture that was adulterated and manipulated and transcribed dishonestly by men in power. So there's a lot of issues with the Bible. I am not religious. I am not even a Christian according to most definitions of Christianity. Of course, I believe in Jesus and Buddha and all the other prophets and, and folks. But I want to read to you the, the gurus that would study the Bible. It wasn't because the Bible was the root source. The Bible confirmed their own ideas. That's what truth is. It's going to show up in a lot of holy tomes. Okay, and they have some really good takes on the Bible. But let me share with you what the gurus said in a brief reading here from Autobiography of a Yogi. To surmount Maya was the task assigned to the human race by the millennial prophets to rise above the duality of creation and perceive the unity of the creator as conceived, as conceived of 
as man's highest ideal. Those who cling to the cosmic illusion must accept its essential law of polarity. Flow and ebb, rise and fall, day and night, pleasure and pain, good and evil, birth and death, contrast, which is totally misunderstood. It is theoretical. You don't have to go down to go up, but that's another spiritual tune-up from months and months ago. But you have to contend with this contrast, not that you have to go down for every up, um, if you're steeped in the illusions, hypnotized into reacting to the physical world around you. Then check this biblical interpretation out. This is all about the devil today. You wouldn't know it so far, would you? Prepare to be astounded. All right, all right. The Old Testament prophets called Maya by the name of Satan Use, uses Diablos or devil as well. Satan or Maya is the cosmic magician who produces multiplicity of forms to hide the one formless verity. Christ, now they're quoting John 8, 44, describes Maya picturesquely, and if I must say so myself, quite poetically and romantically even, not in a mushy sense of romance, Christ describes the devil as a murderer and a liar. Quote, the devil was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, the devil, and the father of it. The devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, Jesus, uh, this is John still, uh, John 3, 8 right now, the world, blah, blah, blah. So the whole thing of devil and Satan, biblically, as defined by the gurus in the East, was this grip that the illusions have in hypnotizing us into judging and committing sin, you know, sin, which is not seeing the truth. It is not some demerit system to hell. There's no such thing as hell. The devil in these interpretations is not some entity with a pitchfork. That's, that's so juvenile, and I'm going to nix that in just a second. But the idea of Satan is to speak of our own hypnotic trance, thinking that the illusions are reality and therefore giving away all of our power, tumbling head over heels out of heaven on earth to contend with a physical world we think is greater than ourselves. That's the devil. There is no red devil. There is no boogeyman. There is no boogeywoman. There is no such ridiculous juvenile idea of some angel cast from heaven. Because what? Because God couldn't fix it? I've got another reading for you. I'm getting carried away, but this is so much fun. I'm going to read from another one of my favorite books, The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You, written by me. Oh, prepare, prepare. Now, here is where I want you to, and I urge in this book, common sense, please. Common sense. If you're trying to understand the nature of reality, you have the truth inside of you. You don't need me. You don't need yogis. You don't need Jesus. They were trying to tell you, wake up. It's inside. Smell the roses. Drink some good coffee. I ask do these old school ideas make sense? And here's one passage, a paragraph from my book that I want to read with you. 
does it make sense that ugly would be the price of beauty, that violence be the price of peace, that hate is the price of love? Does that make sense? Does it? Or maybe as religions have taught, here's your alternative right now. You know, don't go here. Evil exists unto itself as some primordial earthbound nebula or ugly energy mixture with a will and intelligence of its own lurking in paradise like a cockroach in God's kitchen. Does that make sense? Fueled and sustained by, well, no one ever thought to ask, insufficiently capable, this is what religions want you to believe, that the devil and evil is insufficiently capable of taking over all good things, how, however depraved, yet invincible enough to stand its ground and hold its own before God. Again, wouldn't God be able to slay any such creature as a devil? Of course, there is no such creature as the devil. There's no such thing as a, a devil. And evil does not exist on its own. You know, the devil made me do it. These negative thoughts inhabited my body. I'm possessed. Oh, bull crap. There's no such thing as evil on its own. God would wipe it out. Evil is the product of confusion in your head. When you're reacting to the world around you and you think you need to steal somebody's loaf of bread uh, to sustain yourself, forgetting that the whole thing is a mirage. Now, there's an upside to all of this. So, okay, I'm just trying to dispel this. And there's one more thing I wanted to read from my book here. Going back to common sense to dispel the notions of the devil and hell. As if God... The brilliance that started it all, that knew how to hang each star in the night sky and organize energy into matter, wasn't also wise enough to rehabilitate everyone so in need. Big enough to forgive unasked. Loving enough to refrain from tests, judgments, and sentences. Courageous enough to accept full responsibility for all creation. It's like, oh, not me. You made that big mistake, that big mess on earth. That's going to... God would take responsibility. And I say, God, forgive me to you. I say, forgive me for using the word God because it's so loaded with garbage and baggage. Call it divine intelligence. Call it source energy. Call it the universe. Okay, but I'm using God because it gets your attention. And it does imply that there is an intelligence and that life is not random, wookie, bonky, whatever. Well, I think I've read enough of that. So think for yourself. Realize that you're not vulnerable. God's not pissed off. God is you come alive, growing where God could never have gone without you. And you're endowed with the power to change that which you don't like. And you don't have to worry about what you did last year or in your teenage years or in the 12th century. You don't have to worry about that. No one's judging you. There's no devil. There's no nothing. You're untouchable. You're the divine. Your thoughts become things. You're pushed on to greatness every single day. This is a great big adventure where there are unending second chances. Brand new romances lurking around every corner. Dreams that you have are meant to come to pass. You can do it. Think those thoughts. Speak those words. Take those baby steps. Prepare to be astounded because you're living your life inside the heart and mind of God where all things are possible and you are a divine being yourself. 
Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!